most intimidating fast bowlers. And a cricket journo, not afraid to take the strike. Oh, how about it? This is the fast and the curious. Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner, your home for all forms of summer's game. Well, our Perth Scorchers may have fallen at the final hurdle, but a valiant effort after starting the season with four straight losses. Hello and welcome to The Fast and the Curious. I'm Bonnie Rayner. We're brought to you by Tab Touch. Make the most of summer, gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1800 858 858. Mitchell Johnson, welcome back. That's all she wrote for BBL 10. It's all, all over. Um, what a long year, though, like, uh, or long season, should I say. Uh, I felt like it sort of dragged on a little bit, but we got to the end. We got to the final. Uh, after all the talk at the start of the season with the Scorchers losing their first first few matches and, and a draw in there as well uh, to get to the final, um, yeah, it was pretty pretty amazing. Unfortunate that they couldn't uh, go through and win, take another trophy. Yeah, an incredible season on a whole, biosecure complexities and hubs to ensure that they could board a hop and go ahead. It recorded a record ratings of 41.17 million across the entire tournament, more than 5 million viewers in the final series, a, a cumulative audience for the first time in history. Uh, do you stand by your comments <laughs> <laughs> that it's been a crap season? <laughs> well, what other sports been on? <laughs> That's all I want to say. Well, yeah, I think people, yeah, yeah, no, I think people were probably tuning in. I mean, it was there was some great cricket played, no doubt. Um, it was, uh, but it had but a, it was uninterrupted. The, yeah, at the same eyeballs. time, there wasn't much going on with COVID around, and I think yeah, you're going to have people watching um, sport. I mean, I switch on the TV and. And when the test series was over and I was thinking, well, I want sport on. I want something on. I want something to watch. So maybe that's why. I don't know. Well, three new rules. <laughs> Four or five months ago, everybody said this is gimmicky. This is ruining the game. If you're trying to reinvent it, then shorten the season and don't have 60 matches played. Out of the three new rules, the X Factor, the Power Surge and the Bash Boost Point, which ones would you like to see stay next season? Uh... What was the power one again? So the two over that was power the two surge, That's which right. could be moved. To I, li I like that one. I think that one actually worked all right. Like we, I think we've had this discussion before, and I wasn't sort of sold on on any of them. But I think that's I, I probably. I don't think anyone was. Yeah, I think that one's definitely. Well, I mean, it's we've we've tested it out now. We've gone through a season, and be interesting to see how the players what their take is on it. But um, yeah, watching it, I thought it was pretty good. Um, yeah, because it makes makes the batsmen go after a bit more and there's opportunities for... It stops the for, innings from plateauing out, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the stuff that, I mean, they can try on one-day cricket and I think they've done similar sort of things in, in, in ways where they've had those kind of things in. I don't know if they still do or not, but... Do you um, think that the ICC will adapt it now? We've got a T20 World Cup this year. Could we see a power surge in the World Cup? Uh... I think they'd probably rather a break in the in the game so they can use their sponsors, <laughs> get sponsors out there. But strategic time. Yeah, <laughs> one of those things. Um, but no, I don't know. Uh, maybe, who knows? Um, but yeah, that was probably the one that I liked out of all of them. Uh, the, the player, what was that player one again? X Factor. X Factor. I yeah. keep. I'm, I'm forgetting. I've had three coffees this, this morning already. <laughs> So, you'd think you'd be more switched on. Oh, uh, you'd think so. Um, <laughs> no, but, yeah, I, I don't know about that one. I, I don't know if that's that was a good one. I, I think with what happened um, with the heat, when we were just discussing about the heat, how they sort of were going yeah. about it, I, I don't know if it's a 
I don't think it's that great. A very interesting move by them in their last match of the season to sub out their leading yeah. wicket-taker, Mark Steckity, 24 scalps for the tournament. And you could tell when he was subbed out, he was absolutely filthy. Yeah. When previously Xavier Bartler had been subbed out 10 times and has said, whatever the team needs from me. So very interesting to see Steckity obviously totally unprepared for that to happen. I don't know if their use of Brisbane Heat in particular of the X Factor is it's not that it's not within the spirit of the game, but I, I just think it's weird that they effectively use it to play with 12 players. It was yeah. brought in to if somebody has one over and it goes for 18, then they can be subbed out. Or if a team is five for 70, then they can bring in extra batting stocks. So that's my understanding of the rule. The Brisbane Heat use it to get one over out of Xavier Bartlett, who can make the ball swing early, and then sub him out. He bowled a maiden and was subbed out because then they use Mornay Morkel for, for the latter stages. It's yeah. To I, use 12 players. I guess yeah, they can use it in that way. That's There's no rules sort of stipulating that they can't do it that way. But, um, but as a player, as Bartlett, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't be that happy with it. Well, he's just, just re-signed. Over. Yeah, he's just re-signed with the Brisbane Heat. And to be honest, that baffles me. Maybe there were some discussions around um, you'll get greater opportunity next year or... What's he get paid for an over? Well, I'm not sure, but it's an expensive <laughs> way to pay a player, isn't it? Because, yeah, six balls and out. I quite like him as well. I think he's actually got something about him. Um, I'd like to see him playing more. I think but, we saw Chris Tremaine earlier in the season, a very experienced player at the Thunder, say, I'm, I'm fine being subbed out because I've been around the traps for 10, 15 years and I've got confidence in my game, but it could ruin a youngster's confidence. It could really dent their faith in their ability. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I think if you're you're getting subbed out all the time, you're, you're bowling one over, it's hard to get any kind of rhythm. Um, and it sort of there's no real incentive there. Like, I mean, what you know, you're going into bowl one over, so it doesn't matter if you do get hit around, um, you're or being if you do get a wicket or two yeah. in that over. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm not happy with that. Uh, I, I'm hoping that that rule goes because I don't think it really suits the game. No, I guess the argument is, well, one over is better than none, and maybe if there wasn't the X factor sub, then he wouldn't be getting a game at all. So that is the counter argument, which I do understand. Mm. But then the question to oppose that is, could he be getting greater opportunity at another club? Yeah, possibly. Um, he won't be next year because he's <laughs> staying well, put next season. He, he's mm. already stayed. He's staying put. But um, yeah, there's all those possibilities. So it'll be interesting to see how. Uh, if the BBL decide to, to continue on with some of these rules or not, um, yeah, hope not with that one anyway. Yeah, and a massive final. It was viewed by a million people last Saturday. A very disappointing way for the Scorchers to end mm. their season, but I guess a good effort to get there. How would you have felt as a player after that match? Where did it go wrong? Yeah, if I was in that situation as a player, you, you, you're feeling pretty gutted um, and You've had a a rocky start to the season. Um, the media all over you. Uh, you're in a in a bubble, and you're probably feeling the pressure a lot more. So to be able to bounce back from that, play some really good cricket throughout the middle part of the tournament, towards the back end, and then sort of, I guess, try a couple of different things where they, you know, were bowling first in in certain situations, um, and just just trying to figure out what really worked for them. Um, I'm not too disappointed that they bowled first. A lot of criticism over Ashton Turner's decision. Yeah, I don't. I'm not too upset with it because, I mean, sometimes there can be a fair bit of due that comes in 
um, uh, at Sydney, but it is a bit of a slower pitch generally. Um, I think if you look at the game and break it down a bit, I, I don't think the Scorchers bowled as well as they have throughout the whole season. Um, I mean, they've had a couple of bad games here and there, but I think generally through that middle period, they were bowling really well, um, bowling well as a unit. Um, Jai Richardson wasn't, you know, wasn't at his best in those last few games. Um, whether that selection of Australia has come into that uh, for him, sometimes you can start to relax a little bit more once you have been selected um, and put more pressure on yourself to, to bowl better um, when you don't have to change anything. Um, Is that a big learning curve for him ahead of five T20s against New Zealand? He'd obviously be expecting a bit of game time there. Yeah. What learnings does he need to take from his finish to the tournament ahead of those games? Yeah, well, I, I think he would have learned a lot from it. I think senior players would have come up and, and spoken to him about it as well in the team and um, – Excuse me, <laughs> just a little bit there. Um, it's all the coffees. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think he would have learned a lot from it. He's probably put a bit too much pressure on himself. I know when I was playing through sort of the middle part of my career, I started putting a bit of added, added pressure on myself to bowl the perfect ball all the time and it sort of seemed like he was going through a bit of that. He wanted to do really well for his team and, um, yeah, started to get frustrated with the ball going for a boundary when you know T twenty cricket lot more emotion yeah. didn't he? And when you're a bowler in T twenty cricket, unfortunately, that is going to happen. He's a lot better when he doesn't show that emotion for sure. Be like uh, Mitch Marsh with that <laughs> with uh, the five thousand dollar fine when he uh, got given out. I don't know. I'm not uh, that unhappy with that. Um, <laughs> I we, would have we've loved all got to feelings. See you cop that decision. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I probably would have just. Walked. I'm not a batsman, so. Um, but yeah. How would you have gone with the earlier one of the Usman Khwaja nick off uh, AJ with the, the bat hit the ground when it was horizontal? Oh, yeah. Oh, look, I, I definitely would have blown up. Um, <laughs> I probably would have been fined. <laughs> it's got to be done. <laughs> you got to take it on the chin. It's, it's yeah, that's just part of it. Yeah. No, I think it is, as you say, really good to have a lot of passion about the game, but Mitch himself did say after that, we can't play on emotion. And I think probably dating back to your years with WA and the Scorch is a strong message mm. from Justin Langer has been show passion, uh, be really into the game, but don't bowl on emotion because oh, that only be ends one way. Yeah, you have to have, be in control of your emotion and use that energy to your advantage. Not to um, your disadvantage yeah. like Jai perhaps yeah. has the last yeah. ball. Um, also with that Mitch Marsh one and, and probably throughout the whole tournament with the um, – Players getting fined and stuff. Oh, I want some accountability towards the umpires as well. We don't see them. Um, obviously, they haven't abused players, but um, and blown up the way that they have. But some of them have confidently talked back and said why their decision was correct when it was an absolute yeah. howler. I think if the umpires uh, are very honest and say they've made a mistake, I think players will understand that and be a bit more forgiving. Yeah. Um, but I think at the time, like when those things happen, it's it's all blown. I think it gets blown up because we've got all the cameras and the, the microphones, like we've said in the past. It, it it's really magnifies any little um, thing that goes on out in the field these days. So, yeah, as long as there's accountability towards the umpires as well, I've got no issue. Yeah, absolutely. Well, an absolute stinger for the Perth Scorchers in the decider, as we've just been talking about. It was viewed by 1.3 million people, and it certainly looked a long shot after starting the season 0 from 4. A superb effort to get there, led by coach Adam Voges. Thanks for joining us today, Adam.
Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, after four losses to start, one no result, one match of those losses, including the addition of your imports, that 71 run loss to the strikers, there were loud media-driven calls for change, change in your role in the 11, yet you backed in the same team and led the most incredible resurgence. How do you reflect on that period of time? Uh, yeah, it certainly wasn't the start that we were hoping for, albeit I think there were a few reasons for it. I think when we sat down and, and planned what we felt our best 11 was going to be, we knew that there was a little bit of risk to that. Um, we, we certainly backed in our local pace guys, uh, Jai Richardson, AJ Ty, Jason Berendorf, but we were also very aware that those guys were coming off uh, injury, long-term injury in one form or another, and that um, it would take them a little while to get into the tournament. I think Mitch Marsh was coming back from an ankle as well and hadn't played a lot of cricket. Uh, we'd had a couple of weeks quarantine post the, the Shield uh, hub as well. So there are a number of factors that I think contributed to the little bit of a slow start, albeit that we certainly weren't expecting to be in that position. But I, I guess... We always felt that once we got our overseas guys available, uh, once we got a bit of con continuity and consistency in our group, that we knew that they'd be able to put some performances on the board. So it was very much a case of holding our nerve. Yeah, no doubt there was pressure coming externally, but I think uh, to the players and to the staff's credit, I think there was a sense of uh, calmness uh, within the group and that we knew that there was only one win away from, from turning things around. Thankfully, that happened uh, New Year's Eve in Adelaide and uh, we certainly look forward to getting back on the plane home and, and, and what ended up being a really fruitful um, four games at home. Hey V, um, yeah, you talk about that external pressure. Was it magnified because of the bubble? Uh, I, I think there's always pressure um, at, at a high performance level. Uh, it always sits there. Uh, no doubt it gets amplified when results aren't going your way. Um, and that's fair enough. We live in a, in a world where we're, uh, that di we're dictated by results and how we go. But um, I, I think, uh, again, like I said, I think the noise was, was certainly more external than, than what it is it was within the group. I, I talk to the players a lot about not reading too much about what gets written, the good stuff and the bad stuff, and, and to try and keep a level keel. And uh, I certainly try to do that. I, I didn't read a lot. I, I didn't watch a lot of the news. I just made sure that we were focused on what we needed to do. And, and thankfully, to the boys' credit, they turned things around really quickly. Under so much pressure, it's so easy to stay so zoomed in, I guess, and fixated on everything that's happening at the time. But now that the season's done, zooming out and looking at it, um, I guess, in your career, do you look back at that period now and sort of draw a bit of strength from that, knowing that everybody was calling for wholesale change because you can't expect different results by, you know, backing in the same team and you didn't bow to that at all. You didn't let that external noise inside your four walls and all of the players have spoken on record, Colin Munro a lot the most, about full credit to you personally for backing in the team and knowing that you had the belief to turn it all around. Is that something now in your own coaching career that you can look back at and reflect on, um, I guess, if you ever need to draw strength from that in another time of pressure? Yeah, I, I think you're always learning uh, on the job. And um, yeah, look, the, it's often the, the most difficult times that you actually learn the most. And uh, I remember I got a text from JL throughout that and he goes, 
Uh, you probably don't feel it at the moment, mate, but this will make you a better person and a better mm. coach. So it, it certainly didn't feel like that at the time. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, now that you get the chance to take a breath and, and reflect and relax and um, understand that um, the, the decisions that I made at the right time and, and the clarity around the thought process were really important and, um, yeah, there's certainly lessons that I'll take forward. You probably can't answer this um, and you'll play a very straight bat, which you're very good at, but at the time a lot of the pressure was amplified amplified by the fact that your initial three-year contract was up. Um, how, I guess, have you gone in terms of feedback? I'm not specifically uh, expecting an answer. Yeah, they've re-signed me. Um, but in terms of your post-season reviews with Christina Matthews, uh, with Kate Harvey, what's the feedback been like from them? And I guess how pleased were they um, for the way that you managed to turn the season around? Uh, yeah, look, uh, both Chris and, and Kate are, are great supporters and um, they're, they're in constant uh, contact with me. And, um, yeah, look, it's no secret that I'm, I'm out of contract at the end of this year. And um, those once once we get out of quarantine, we'll, we'll sit down and, and, and have a look at that. But, um, yeah, look, uh, again, I think during that period I, I was – I was actually really quite happy to put the pressure more on myself and, and try and take it away from the players. And, and the fact that I was out of contract and, and that was the things that were written about um, was actually okay by me because it actually took the heat off the, the players and it allowed them just to concentrate on what they needed to do. So, again, thankfully, we um, we, we had a reasonably successful season. And, and like I said, we'll, we'll sit down once we get out of this two-week home quarantine and, um, and, and talk about it then. What is quarantine like at the moment? How, how's it all going for you? Uh, it's good. I'm sleeping in my own bed, which I haven't, I haven't been able to do a lot of this summer. And, uh, I'm doing a lot of sleeping to be honest. Um, it's, it's all encompassing this job. And so when you do get time to actually just put the tools down and relax for a little bit, I'm enjoying that. I get to see the kids uh, walk off to school and, and get to see them when they come home each day. And, um, and my wife's getting a little bit of me time as well. She can actually get out of the house and, and not have to worry about the kids for, for mm. a little bit of time. So I think everyone's thankful that I'm stuck at home for a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> now, V, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you might be the sole remaining coach of both the state side and Big Bash. Andrew McDonald uh, was one of the other last standing men before he left to join JL and Adam Griffiths before he handed over the Tasmania reins to Tim Coyle. With the added complications, now of the biosecure bubbles and the increasing demands of the role, do you feel it's getting to a point where it is a bit too much to ask of one person? Uh, well, Jason Gillespie has just taken on South Australia's role, so he, yeah. he does both now. But um, I look, and there's no doubt that that'll be part of the discussion is is in in the current environment, how, how sustainable is, is doing everything. And um, like I just said before, it's certainly all encompassing and, and I need to keep finding ways to um, find these little moments where I can actually relax and, and refresh and recharge the batteries to make sure that I'm giving uh, the, the best or doing the best job that I possibly can. And, and we've got a wonderful support staff. Uh, our coaches, Matt Mason, Bo Casson, um, our medical team, Nick Jones, Warren Andrews, they're, they're on the road with us the whole time as well. Um, so it's not just me who's doing everything. Those guys are as well. So I think it's really important in terms of trying to find those breaks um, and, and being able to recharge the battery so that we can do the job all year round. I, I love doing it, but there's no doubt um, there, there are moments where the pressure does come on. Yeah, like you say, you've been sleeping for days uh, trying to recover, but you must be looking forward to and the players must be looking forward to getting into some red ball cricket. 
Oh, certainly, and, and very much so looking forward to playing at the Wacker again. Uh, it feels like a lifetime ago since we've played there. And, um, yeah, uh, uh, the guys who haven't been part of the Scorcher squad have been training back in WA. Um, they're chomping at the bit to be able to get back out there and play some red ball cricket. Um, we left, uh, we, we kept a couple of the guys at home, Sam Whiteman and Cameron Gannon, um, just knowing that there was there was no need to have them on the road with us and, and to allow them to prepare as well as they possibly can because they're yep. going to be really important pieces to our push at the back end of the Shield season. So, um, yeah, we're, we're certainly looking forward to that. It's great that we've got three of our last four Shield games at home and we can play in front of our, our fans and, and members. So, yeah, we're certainly looking forward to that. Yeah, just on those players, I was going to ask you about that. Sam Whiteman, obviously, with a brilliant 166, I think, a fortnight ago in club cricket for Fremantle. How do you manage guys like him, though? He's a very clear, important part of your Red Bull plans. But for the Perth Scorchers, he has had limited opportunities in recent times. And um, I'm not sure of his contract situation, but I'm sure that other clubs would probably start sniffing the Melbourne Stars. They always seem to try to invade your stocks. And, and other guys like Cam Bancroft, and Matt Kelly, who are on contract but um, who are limited in their opportunities, how do you entice them to stay or have you had to fend off interest from other clubs to try to take them? Yeah, it's a, it's a real juggling act. Um, yeah, look, all those guys are really important pieces of, of our program and, and we make no um, secret of the fact that we love that WA flavour that runs within the Scorchers. And um, for someone like Sam, uh, he's probably just been the, the victim of us having three outstanding top order um, international players come in this year. And uh, that's probably unique in itself. That, and I don't imagine that that'll necessarily happen again next year. So um, having guys, local guys who are able to step up and fill those roles is still going to be really important. And I, I can totally relate with their frustrations at not being able to get a game this season and, and one of our, our great strengths throughout the tournament was that we kept a lot of consistency to our to our playing 11 but it means that there are guys missing out and, and they may look for other opportunities so um, long answer short look we we love those guys and they, they certainly fill a role within our squad and, and I imagine that there will be opportunity for them in the future but I guess that's that's my job to try and sell that to those guys and, and hopefully they keep working hard keep improving their game so that they when they do get those opportunities they can make the most of them. That is interesting because from the outside you use the least players out of any franchise this season and it looked like your internationals, all three of them, absolutely loved their stay and were very eager to return. I'm sure you'll be in a hurry to re-sign Colin Munro who had the most consistent season above anyone. Were you expecting all three of them to come back or do you have to only retain two of them to provide greater opportunity to the, the Bancroft and the Whitemans? Yeah, it's a good question, and it's something that we'll need to sit down and and just review and and, and have a look at. It it worked well this year, but uh, like I said, and I guess a lot of will be to do with what the Australian white ball team's uh, schedule looks like. Uh, to have uh, six scorches and nine West Australians in over in New Zealand at the moment means that we could get decimated, particularly in our bowling stocks, if we were to lose Jai, AJ and Jason Berendorf to white ball duties. Um, we've got some great backups, Matt Kelly, Joel Paris, but it may just mean that we're, we're looking for reinforcements in that area. So um, until we get an idea of schedule, uh, until we get an idea of whether there's a draft next year for overseas players and, and exactly how many of them are, there are, um, unfortunately, I can't give you a definite answer at the moment. Mm. Yeah, um, 
have you spoken to uh, Jai about, um, I guess, the, the last couple of performances from him? I mean, probably getting that call up to the Australian team and, and probably just putting a little bit too much pressure on himself. Did you, did you have a word with him? Yeah, and uh, Jai had a wonderful tournament. There's no doubt yeah. about it. Uh, and as he as he said publicly, he probably didn't play his best cricket towards the back end. He he, um, he did a huge job throughout the tournament. But um, yeah, yeah, it's it's funny you talk about the pressures and the external pressures. But I don't think anyone puts more pressure on the players than that they do themselves. Mm. And uh, he he was desperate to do well in that final series. Um, you could just see that there was a little bit of emotion. He, the opposition probably targeted him a bit more than, than what they had earlier in the tournament and yeah. um, he, he probably just got a bit emotional in his response uh, to that at times and that's a great learning for him um, mm. and, and he'll certainly be better for that experience but uh, as an overall tournament to win the Golden Cap, to, to win yeah. it by so far, he, he had a tremendous tournament. Yeah, no, I agree. Very last question, uh, a quick one before we let you go. Farwood Ahmed turned 39 last week. Do you expect to see him back in Orange in BBL 11? Yeah, Fuzz is out of contract, so uh, he's one of, of a number of guys that we're still working through at the moment. We're obviously embargo now, uh, post the final, uh, so we can't we can't actually sign physically sign anyone at this very moment. But um, fortunately, we've we've been able to do a few things previous to that embargo, which I'm sure you guys will find out about soon enough. But um, yeah, look, Fuzz is Fuzz is uh, certainly a. Uh, certainly been a really important member of our side the last couple of years. He, he brings a wealth of experience. Um, he probably didn't have his buddy Ash Agar at the other end this year um, and the partnership that they've formed. But um, we certainly uh, value Fuzz's experience and the way that he's gone about it. So we'll, we'll have those discussions with him over the next little bit and, and work out what's best for him and, and for us as well. Adam, always so generous with your time. It's been fascinating to get your insight after overall a pretty successful season. Congratulations and thank you for joining us. No worries. Thanks, guys. See you, mate. Always great to hear Adam Voges' thoughts. And it was interesting because the Melbourne Renegades were rumoured to be chasing Ashton Turner pretty hard. The Melbourne Stars, well, they always keep a very close eye on the WA stocks. They always seem to rate us. I wonder if any fringe players could be on the way out that Voges knows about that couldn't tell us. Yeah, there's, there's probably a, a, a couple of guys that are possibly thinking about going elsewhere, um, which would be a pretty smart move if you're not playing any cricket uh, through that period of time. It's a long time to be not playing. Is that um, yeah, Sam Whiteman in particular? Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that definitely comes into equation. There's 45 different keepers at, at uh, the Scorchers. <laughs> so, um, yeah, look, he's definitely a, a very, very talented player um, and he's not getting opportunities so like I've said in the past oh, I think with this big bash going to different um, different um, clubs is not a bad thing uh, if you're getting an opportunity somewhere else to play cricket it's only going to benefit um, yourself as a player and also your your team when you come back into the you know the shield stuff and the, so yeah I think That'll be something he'll have to think about. It's obviously a pretty big move. Some guys find it very difficult to, to make the move and it's probably going to be a little more difficult, I'd say, with COVID times around. But you've got to start to not worry about that so much anymore. I think it's starting to it's think the, about your career. Common nature. Yeah, I think it's just going to be common nature now and, and you've got to just get on with it and know that you're going to be in the bubble somewhere at some point and 
Yeah. In particular with Sam Whiteman, I've never actually asked you that BBL 06 final where you destroyed his finger. Was that a particularly fast ball? Was it just a... I can't remember it. <laughs> I bet he can. <laughs> um, that Optus? Uh, no, that was still at the Wacker. At the Wacker. So you crushed his finger and then he came out to bat and pretty much helped you guys over the line. Oh yeah, I sort of vaguely remember. Like it's never, it's never nice to hurt your own players like that, especially your keeper. It's such an important player catching a ball all the time. But yep. I may have sort of thought at first, oh, he's got gloves on, he'll be all right. <laughs> Said like a true non-wicket keeper. <laughs> oh, I got gloves on, he'll be fine. Yeah, cool. Um, Asked Tim Payne that. How are his fingers going? Yeah, not great. Well, it's <laughs> well, better now. Whitey but... came out and hit 41 off 21 rocks in that um, in that match, despite yeah. having a, a totally butchered finger. Yeah, I felt pretty bad, like, over the last... When he had the yeah, repeated surgeries and repeated stuff. surgeries. Have you reached looking... out to him at all? I've, I, think we've spoke, I think I've spoken to him about it before and I've apologised. There's not much I can really... No, you're doing your job. ...do or say. Like, it's, no, it's just bad luck, isn't it? It's, it's hard. It's part of the game, unfortunately, and sometimes you get... Good ones and bad ones, and you got a, a bad one. Mm, a bad bloke too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now the, curi- the curious, rather, not calling, not touring South Africa. Good call or bad call? Uh, sounds like it's a it's a health call. So probably a good call. That is a typical fence sitting answer. Well played. I'd say, but it's a bad call. For the for the, for the game, yeah, yeah. and um, especially for South Africa with how they are at the moment, they have really struggling to the ICC this week to slam Cricket Australia's uh, n- for not acting in the spirit of the game. Well, they could have made a decision earlier, maybe. I think that's it is hard because things do change with again COVID uh, being around. But I think the worry of, of players being stranded over there is that's a massive concern, mm. and and I don't blame Cricket Australia for. Having that concern? If you put yourself in Cricket Australia's shoes, they're probably saying, yep, slam our sportsmanship all you like, but does sportsmanship cure COVID? Does it, you Mm. know, does sportsmanship help your players if they come down with COVID and are stranded internationally and can't get let back into Australia? It's also a typical South African call as well about sportsmanship. They always talked about sportsmanship and how good they were at it. So, (laughs) On to the next. (laughs) Hypothetical. If forward was to play on... Good call, bad call? Uh, I'm happy. I like forward. I like hay bowls, so good call. Sam Whiteman moving franchise for more game time. Good call, bad call? Good call. Josh Philippi potentially signing with New South Wales at state level. Good call, bad call? Uh, I thought this would be an easy one based on your what? I'd say bad call. Interesting. Well, you just mentioned there's 45 keepers at... <laughs> in WA. I do want to d- reiterate that I, I don't have any leads there. I'm not stating that is something that's on the horizon. It's a total hypothetical. Well, I guess it depends on, yeah, what his role would be. It's a hard one for him because he seems to be becoming a, a white ball victim, a, a red ball victim of his white ball success in the same way that Glenn Maxwell, Aaron Finch a little yep. bit, I guess. He hasn't played a first-class game for about 18 months and now heading to New Zealand, obviously he, so he missed the start of the Shield season in Adelaide for the IPL. Now he'll miss it again being in New Zealand. Mm. And then you'd think come October, he's probably got one one eye on being around that World Cup squad. And then that's the Shield season again. So he could go two and a half years without playing a Red Bull match. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it just comes down to 
to all those things and, and what his role will be. So whatever they offer, if, if it's a, if they offer him a, a role of being a keeper. Like they did with the Sixers. Yeah. It was too good to turn down. Yeah, so tough one. Fence-sitting. Fence-sitting. That is so unlike you. You initially said bad call. I would have thought a good call for – if you think about WA with Shield, obviously Josh Inglis is one of the best keepers in the country, technique-wise, and scoring 100 in the Shield Hub certainly did his batting credentials no harm. We've seen what he can do in the Big Bash, and now he showed us that he's got that temperament as well. So if Ingo can't take the gloves, you've got Sam Whiteman opening the batting, and you've got Cam Bancroft as well. So you'd have to think that Josh Phillippe, for keeping at least, is fourth in line. That's why you're here, because you actually think these things through. <laughs> um, I guess that's why I'm curious, <laughs> but you can't ask the question and answer it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I agree with you. Sure. <laughs> oh, it's a tough Mitchell. one. Oh, no, it is. It's really tough. It, it, I guess, yeah, you're right. I, I should probably say a good call on that one because it is an opportunity that's going to help but Josh, then- but... Maybe yeah, it's I'd bad call, as you say, because we're just talking about how hard it is for some players to leave their home city for yeah. Big Bash. Well, the Big Bash is only two to three months of the year. But with even though the domestic fixtures don't go the whole year round, you're obviously at your base for nine months of the year and, and across the off-season as well. So making a state yeah. move is sort of like making a, making a move for nine months of the year, isn't it? Yeah, but it also depends. If he's playing for his country, he could be travelling a lot. And not being at home anyway. And if you're New South Wales, would you want to sign him? You would based on talent, but in terms of availability, is there much of a lure there? To go to New South Wales, well, well we all know that if you play for New South Wales, you, you get a bag of green generally, so <laughs> that's the other one. So maybe you could think that, so it might be a good call. You're going out swinging today, aren't you? <laughs> Second last episode no, you just, you've dragged this Maybe we've dragged this question out, so no, it's like... I like it, uh, yeah. But also for Flip, one last thing to consider <laughs> before we wrap up for today is that he was dropped from WA's one-day title win 18 mm. months ago, and that hit him really hard, he said on the record, because he had played every single game that campaign, and it had been Hilton Cartwright who was in and out of the side, and then come final time. And also Cam Green, that was sort of before his total, um, before his career took off. So he wasn't an absolute lock. And then Greeny and Hiltz held their spot in the 11 and Flip was dropped and he said it totally blindsided him. And I wonder if there's a, is there a bit of a bad taste left in his mouth? I'm sure he'd tell you he's moved on. Mm. But is there an incentive if they say, hey, don't worry, we're not going to drop you from the final, we'll play well, you? Well, yeah, you can't sort of let the emotional side of it get in the way too much, I don't think. Yeah. I think, yeah, there may be a bit of a bad taste there, but you've, you've got to think it through from a professional point of view and a career point of view, bigger picture, yeah. Yeah. Well, unless you've got an absolute peach to leave us on, it's a bit hard this week because there's not many upcoming games except for another test starting between India and England. That was somewhat satisfying to see England absolutely run riot over India, although did it perhaps make Australia's? (laughs) Well, it is in a way that if we're wanting to scrape through to the test championship, we need England to win. I've seen a Mm. lot of people on Twitter saying, I hope, hope India tear England a new one. But if we want to feature in the Test Championship, we need to be cheering for the arch rivals. Yeah, I don't know where I sit with that, to be honest. It's a bit hard <laughs> for you cheering for them. But yeah, I'm not cheering for current them. Current number two and three rankings in the ICC Test bowling stock, Stuart Broad, Jimmy Anderson. Wasn't Jimmy born a few months either side of you? He's 38, yeah. I think. Yeah, so I'm... Yeah, 39. Um, that is just unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know how he's doing it. I, and 
Yeah, they, they bowled him, I think, in the, was the second innings. They waited until the ball started to reverse mm. before he bowled his first first over. And, and that first over was ridiculous. Oh. Two wickets, an LBW that was umpire's call on impact. So, he yep. did, you know, could have had three had the finger gone up on field. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they do know how to use their bowlers, the England team. So they did play well. Um, obviously, it helps when they've got, got the runs on the board as well. Um, but, yeah, good good test series over there. Like I said, I don't know who I'm really cheering for over there. I'm happy to see the result, I guess, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not sitting up with my England jersey on. That surprises me so much. <laughs> not. Well, Mitchell, thank you for joining us. We've been brought to you by Tab Touch today. Make the most of summer. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers' help, call 1-800-858-858. We'll be back next week with a massive guest for our very last episode of the summer. Until then, thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to The Fast and The Curious with Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner. Subscribe for weekly pods over the summer of cricket and remember to send in your questions to Mitch before the next episode.